0: We read the Holy Scriptures together this morning in Psalm 63. The theme song for the retreat this week comes from this psalm. And that's why I've chosen to preach it this morning. Let's read the whole psalm together, and the text will be verses 3 and 4. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee, Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee, Thy right hand upholdeth me, but those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword, they shall be apportioned for foxes, but the king shall rejoice in God, everyone that sweareth by him shall glory, the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped." I call your attention especially to verses 3 and 4 this morning. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the opening verse of this psalm, David expresses his faith in God and his personal relationship with God in what was perhaps the most difficult time in his life. In the early morning hours of that day when he wrote this psalm, perhaps sitting under a tree somewhere, David wrote to God a prayer, and in this prayer he expresses his longing for God. What David expresses in the opening verses of this psalm is not a statement of doctrine about God, such as you young people might have to memorize in catechism class. He doesn't just write down a statement of doctrine about God, such as we find, for example, in our Belgic Confession, Article 1, which says that there is only one simple and spiritual being, which we call God. That morning, David was not interested merely in writing down doctrines about God. But in that early morning, David was expressing a prayer to God, a written prayer of longing for the God with whom he had a personal relationship, the God who had mercifully drawn him to himself with the cords of loving kindness into that bond of communion with God, which is his covenant of grace. David had been drawn into an intimate covenant relationship with God, And now, in this early morning, in the midst of affliction and trial, David writes this psalm, expressing his deep longing for God. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul longeth for thee, my flesh thirsteth for thee in this dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory Just as I have seen it in the past in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. I will bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Beloved, do you also long for God this Sabbath morning? Does your flesh also thirst for the God of your salvation as you come into his house today? The superscription above this psalm tells us that David wrote it when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Why was David in the wilderness of Judah? If you read and carefully study the psalm, you conclude that David was not in the wilderness of Judah on some early morning hunting excursion, nor was he in the wilderness of Judah because he was waging war against the enemies of Israel. Nor was he in the wilderness of Judah, most likely because he was fleeing from Saul in that period of his life. But David was in the wilderness of Judah because he was fleeing from his own son. This was that time of his life and his kingdom when David was forced to flee from his throne in Jerusalem. When he was forced to flee out into the wilderness because his own son betrayed him. And his own son stirred up the whole nation of Israel against him in rebellion. And his own son was hunting him and trying to kill him. And so David fled for his life. And now he sleeps under the stars at night in the wilderness. But God gave him this time, as he tells us in the psalm, in order that he might meditate on God in the night watches, in order that out there under the stars, far from his palace and throne and riches, in a time of affliction, he would reflect on his relationship with God. And he would reflect on what is most precious in life. And he would reflect on what is his purpose in this world. And David, in that reflection and meditation, wrote this psalm and expressed, in the midst of his deepest affliction, his longing to praise his God because his loving kindness is better than life. So consider together the text under the theme, Longing to Praise My God. First of all, the believer's longing to praise God. Secondly, whose loving kindness is better than life. And finally, This is a lifelong commitment. In this psalm, as in many other psalms, David expresses his longing to praise and bless the name of his God, even in the midst of deep affliction. He says in our text, My lips shall praise thee. I will bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. There, David is expressing a resolve, a commitment to praise and bless the name of his God. You notice that in this psalm, David is not speaking, first of all, to you and me. He's not addressing us, first of all. He's not exhorting us that we should praise and bless our God, but he is simply writing in the early morning hours of that day his personal resolve to praise his God himself. You notice too in the psalm that David is not in this prayer making supplication to God as he does elsewhere, but in the verses we consider David is talking to his God in the intimacy of that relationship and expressing to him his longing. O God, thou art my God, And I long to praise Thee. I long to bless Thee. The desire of my deepest heart is to worship Thee while I live. Out here in the wilderness, far from the sanctuary, I long to be there again. I long to see Thy power and Thy glory as I have seen it in the past and to worship with Thy people there in Thy house. This, O my God, is the deepest longing of my heart. We have to understand that as David wrote these words, expressing his own personal longing, he was also writing as a type of one who was yet to come. He was writing as a type of the coming Messiah, who would come forth from his own loins and from his own line. He was writing these words as a type of Jesus Christ, Christ has come into the world, the son of David. And Christ speaks these words even more fully and more perfectly than David himself originally did. Christ came into this dry and thirsty world, the world in which we live where there is no spiritual meat and drink for our souls. And he came into this world to suffer all his life long for you and me The Lord Jesus Christ is the reality of which David is the type. Just as David was betrayed and rejected by his own son and by his own familiar friends and, as it were, by the whole nation of Israel in that time of rebellion, so our Lord Jesus Christ, when he came into this world, he came unto his own, but his own received him not. He was betrayed and despised and rejected of men, led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb. But whereas David only descended from Jerusalem down into the wilderness of Judah, and only for a time, then to be restored to his throne, the Lord Jesus Christ descended into the wilderness of hell. He descended into that driest and thirstiest. Of all places in the whole creation, he descended into the lake of fire. He descended into that place to suffer the eternal wrath of God against our sins. David, you see, was submitting himself to the chastening hand of God because of his own personal sins with Bathsheba and Uriah. But our Lord Jesus Christ was submitting himself to the eternal wrath of God in the wilderness of hell for your sins and my sins. He came into the world to suffer for you and for me. And all the while that Christ was suffering in this world, he was resolved to praise his God just as David in his deepest affliction, cries out, Oh my God, I long to praise Thee and to bless Thy name, even here in the wilderness. So Jesus, even in the depths of hell, even on the cross when he felt utterly forsaken of God, was utterly committed and resolved to praise the name of his God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength as long as he lived and even when he died. And that's how Christ has become our righteousness, by his perfect longing and his perfect practice of praising and blessing and worshiping the Lord with all his heart to the very end. But we who are righteous in Christ share the very same longing that David had, We share the very same longing that Jesus had. We too long to praise our God. We do not have that longing in us by nature. We all know that by nature we have no interest in the glory of God. We have no interest in praising God with our lips and lifting up our hands in his name. We have no interest in singing forth the glorious honor of the name of our God, but we are only interested in ourselves. We're only interested in praising ourselves, in boasting of ourselves, and talking about ourselves. We're only interested in giving praise and worship to man, to mankind, to the glorious achievements of mankind, and to the gods of our own making and imagination. But Christ has changed us. Christ has sent his spirit into our hearts. And he has worked a fundamental change, a principal change in the depths of our heart, which we call regeneration. And through the ongoing struggle of sanctification, the Lord Jesus Christ gives us this longing. He gives us new affections, new desires, new longings, so that we can truly say, in Christ I long to praise the Lord my God. I do. I long to bless him while I live. I long to worship him. What does that mean exactly when we say, I long to bless my God? It doesn't mean that we have a desire to bless God in the way that he blesses us. It doesn't mean that we desire to bestow upon God some kind of blessing that he doesn't already possess, some kind of good thing that isn't already his, because we know that's impossible. We can't bless God in the way that he blesses us. But when we say, I long to bless my God, we're saying, I long to acknowledge his inherent blessedness. I long to acknowledge His supreme goodness. I long to express from my heart how great God is, how glorious He is, how wonderful He is, how full of infinite perfection and glory and power and wisdom and love and mercy and kindness He is. I want to express that. I want to acknowledge that. I want to sing the glorious honor of his name for all that he is in himself and for all that he has done for me in Christ. Don't you have that longing in your heart? Don't you desire to praise him? And David sets forth in our text two ways in which he longs to praise him. He says, first of all, my lips shall praise thee. My lips shall praise What do we use our lips for, beloved? What do we use our lips for, young people? We have many young people in our midst this morning. We know that the young people of the world use their lips only to boast about themselves, only to brag about their achievements. The young people of the world use their lips to sing. Oh, yes, they love to sing. And you hear them singing lots of different songs. You can hear those songs on the radio. You can hear them out in society. You can hear them all over the place. But what are they singing? What do they use their lips to sing? They use their lips to sing with all their might songs that take the name of our God in vain. They use their lips to sing songs that boast About and promote and glorify sexual immorality, adultery and fornication as if these are good things. They use their lips to sing songs that speak of murder and revenge and anger, that speak of drunken revelry and partying as the thing to do and the way to live. And we're tempted to do likewise when we're young people also when we're older, to use our lips to sing the songs that dishonor the name of our God and that boast in wickedness. But by the grace of God, Christ has changed us. And Christ has placed in our hearts and souls a longing to use these lips that God has given to us to praise him, to sing forth songs that honor the name of our God, to sing songs that glorify and promote whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are lovely and whatsoever things are honest and whatsoever things are of good report. And if there be any virtue or any praise, we long to sing the songs that edify others, that minister grace to the hearers, and that are good and pleasing in the eyes of our God. Don't we long to use our lips to praise Him? As we gather together in the sanctuary on the Lord's Day, we come with the longing to see His power and glory like we've seen it before, so that we may respond to Him by singing the Psalms and glorious thanksgiving for all that God has done for us. But not only on the Lord's Day, not only in the house of God, also. When we are at home with our families, when we are all by ourselves in our car, driving down the road, don't we long to use our lips to sing praises to our God? In the second place, David says, I will lift up my hands in thy name. He speaks of his hands as well. What do we use our hands for? The young people of the world use their hands as well. They lift up their hands as well. They lift up their hands. And they sway back and forth with their hands. And they pump their hands up into the air as they sing those songs that dishonor God's name. At the rock concert, at the bar and the club, in the dark haze where other ungodly people are gathered together drinking the night away and dancing the night away. And so they lift up their hands all right. They lift up their hands in ungodly behavior. And we too are tempted. We too are attracted to that same kind of activity. We're drawn to it by nature, whether we're young or old. But Christ has changed us. Christ has given us new affections, new longings, new desires, so that in our deepest heart, that's not what we want. That's not how we want to lift up our hands. That's not what we want to use them for. But in Scripture, the idea of lifting up one's hands points to the activity of prayer. The Scriptures describe the child of God lifting up his hands in prayer to God in heaven. And whether we actually lift up our hands in prayer or Humbly fold them together when we pray. The point is that in our longing to praise God, we desire to pray. We desire to enter into supplication and thanksgiving and adoration to our God. In the private closet of our bedroom. In the worship service with God's people. Around the family dinner table. And without ceasing, at work and at play, whenever we are in need whenever we're overwhelmed with thanksgiving, this is my heart's desire, to lift up my hands in the name of Christ and praise to God. Is that your longing? Why? If you are a believing child of God, then your answer to that question is, yes, yes, that's my longing. And now I ask you, why is that your longing? Why do you desire to use your lips and your hands and your life to praise God? David tells us, Because thy loving kindness is better than life, that's why my lips shall praise thee. That's why I will bless thee. That's why I will lift up my hands in thy name. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. That is the evaluation of faith. The evaluation of the flesh, of course, is far different. The judgment and the opinion of the flesh is just the opposite. Life is much better than God. Life with all that it has to offer us of its treasures and pleasures and exciting experiences, to the flesh is so much better than God and His loving kindness. After all, the flesh does not even believe in God, the flesh repudiates God, and the flesh lifts up idol gods, and the flesh has nothing to do with the loving kindness of God. And so there is no comparison when it comes to the flesh. The flesh looks around and all the flesh sees is life. This life. Earthly life. With all of its pleasures and treasures. And that's all. That's all there is. And so let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And there's nothing better in this life than to do so. And to get the most pleasures that we possibly can. That's the judgment of the flesh. And that's the opinion of the young people of this world. They reveal that this is their evaluation by their actions. They reveal by their lifestyle. They reveal by their decisions that they believe life is much better than God and his loving kindness. Whether it's the pleasures of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, whether it's fame, fortune, and success, whether it's sports, drama, dance, and all kinds of earthly entertainments, or whatever it might be, whatever they find joy in in this life, whatever they find pleasure in, that's the thing to them. That's the greatest treasure, the greatest pleasure, far greater than God and his loving kindness. There is no God. There is no loving kindness of God. And we see the evidence that this is the judgment of the young people of the world and the adults of the world by this fact, too, that they never take the time to praise God. They use all seven days of the week for themselves to go to work and make enough money so that on the weekend they can spend that money on all of their pleasures. And for them, the weekend is not just Friday and Saturday, but also Sunday. So that they also use the Sabbath day, not to praise God, not to worship, but to enjoy the pleasures of this world. And do we not also have in ourselves the same inclination, the same evaluation is in our flesh, that life, this life, is better than the God that I've never seen. We too have in us the desire to live, the desire to enjoy this life, the desire to live pleasantly and comfortably. We all have that desire. We enjoy life under the sun. It's all that we know. It's all that we've experienced in the body. We enjoy eating a good meal with family and friends on a beautiful summer day on the back deck. We enjoy casting the fishing pole late at night as we watch the sun set. We enjoy going to the lake and swimming in the refreshing, beautiful blue water, going for a walk on the beach, playing a game of volleyball, or spending time in the garden Or just sitting in the easy chair and watching the sunset. We enjoy this life. We enjoy life. And we consider it a great good. And it's not wrong to be thankful to God for those good gifts that he gives to us. But how do you evaluate life when you place it next to God? The world says life is everything, God is nothing. The child of God answers, without hesitation, it's just the opposite. The loving kindness of God is better than life. Isn't that your answer? Without hesitation, the loving kindness of my God is more than life to me. It is better than anything that this life has to offer, even the good things, even the pleasant things, which are not wrong in themselves, and which I do thoroughly enjoy God and His loving kindness is far better, far greater, than the most precious treasure that I have. You know, when our lives are going well, when we are enjoying life, when we have the pleasures and the prosperity of life, that flesh that is still in us tempts us grievously to hesitate in answering that question. It tempts us to hesitate. What do you value more? God or all of the pleasures of your life? Our flesh tempts us to hesitate. And that's why God sometimes sends afflictions into our lives. That's why he sometimes sends chastenings into our lives. That's what was going on in David's life as he wrote this. He had sinned grievously taking Bathsheba and murdering her husband. And now God was chastening him by raising up his own son Absalom against him in rebellion so that he had to flee from his palace into the wilderness of Judah. And it was through that affliction, through the loss of his throne, the loss of his home, the loss of his wife and other wives, which God gave to Absalom, the loss of his power and control over the kingdom. There, in the early morning hours, in the midst of the wilderness, David comes to realize what is most important in life. And that's often how God wakes us up. He sends us trials. He sends us pain. Sometimes a chastening for our sins sometimes afflictions, just to wake us up so that we will see once again what is of supreme and eternal value that it's not this life but the loving kindness of our God. It's through trials, sufferings, chastenings that God causes us to feel the vanity and vexation of spirit that is ultimately all that this life is. It's through those afflictions that God opens our eyes to that empty feeling, deep, deep in the bones of our soul, as it were, when we try to seek satisfaction in things that don't satisfy when we try to find comfort in things that don't comfort, when we try to find rest in things that will leave us restless, when we look for happiness in things that are not designed to give everlasting joy, then we come to see and make the evaluation of faith, just like David did. The loving kindness of my God is more than life to me. What is the loving kindness of God? What is this thing that is so exceedingly precious that it's our greatest treasure? The loving kindness of God is a beautiful thing. Just take the two words that make up that one word, loving and kindness. The loving kindness of God is his love and his kindness for us. And it's the knowledge of the great fact that God loves me and that God is kind to me. Me, who am a poor and wretched and needy sinner, who is no better than all of those young people of the world that we've been talking about, no better than them. The loving kindness of God is His eternal decision in His love and kindness to choose me, to predestinate me unto the adoption of children, to decide from all eternity to draw me into his eternal family so that I will be in his covenant dwelling with him through Christ for all eternity. That's better to me than life. The loving kindness of God is his love and mercy toward me according to which he sent and gave his own son. He spared not his own Son. So filled with love for me and kindness toward me and the desire to show mercy toward me that God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, sent his Son into this world, into this dry and thirsty place where there is no water, to walk the path of suffering alone, to be forsaken of man and forsaken of God, And to die on the cross. To shed that thing which is more precious than all the silver and gold of the world. His own blood. So that Peter will later write, You know you were not redeemed with silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without spot or blemish. He shed that thing that was most precious to him, his own blood, his own life. He laid down his life as the great manifestation of the loving kindness of God for me and for you. That's better to me than anything this life has. The loving kindness of God is his love for me and mercy whereby he forgives my sins. Because of that precious sacrifice of Jesus, He forgives my sins, all and every one of them. He removes them from me as far as the east is from the west and as far as the heaven is above the earth. He crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. He gives me the hope of eternal life and righteousness through Christ. The loving kindness of God is His love and mercy and kindness toward me so that when I come to realize what this life truly is in itself, as the baptism form says, nothing but a continual death. When I come to realize that, when I come to see that this life is just a passing moment, it's just a vapor. When I'm young, I don't see that usually quite yet. I still look ahead and see many decades that I expect to live. But as we grow older, we start to realize more and more as the years and decades pass by, this life is just a vapor. This life is short. This life is nothing but a continual death, nothing but a walking through the valley of tears and sorrows and disappointments. And yes, God gives us good gifts along the way, Yes, he encourages us. He places oasis on our pilgrim's journey. And yet, we realize this is not my home. This is not my abiding place. This is a dry and thirsty wilderness. I want to go home. And then God reaches down to us in his loving kindness. And he tenderly comforts us. Like a shepherd, he leads us to the green pastures and beside the still waters to refresh ourselves again with Christ, to find in Christ our hope in life and death, our joy for all eternity, a happiness that endures, and a peace that passes understanding. He shows us Christ in whom we have the hope of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Christ in whom we have hope of living in the heavenly city forever and ever. The loving kindness of God is his patience with me in my sins and sufferings. According to which he promises me, I will never leave you or forsake you, my child. I will be with you. All the way to the very end. That's the loving kindness of God. Do you taste that? In your soul? Then you see why it is that we long to praise him while we live. This is a lifelong commitment. You might even say it's an everlasting lifelong commitment. It's a commitment to praise God while we live. As long as we live. And we expect to live through Christ forever. David says in the midst of the wilderness of his trials and afflictions because thy loving kindness is better than life, better than my throne, better than my kingdom, better than my palace, better than my riches, therefore I will bless thee while I live. We think of Job, that rich, prosperous man in the time of the patriarchs who lost everything but then Confessed, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's David here. Lord, you gave me victories, you gave me a kingdom, you gave me power and honor and riches, and you took it all away. But I will praise thee. In times of prosperity, in good times, in pleasant times, when I'm healthy and strong and young, when everything is going well, when there's an abundance of food and drink on my table, I will praise thee then in thanksgiving, but also when it's all taken away, when I'm left barren and dry with nothing of this life, then too I will praise thee. I will lift up my hands in thy name. and With my lips I will sing forth the glorious honor of thy name. Are you committed to that as your life's purpose? Sometimes it's out in the wilderness of trials, like David under the starry night in that early morning that we meditate on our relationship with God. How is yours? How is your relationship with God? Is it the most precious thing to you? And in those early morning times, we also reflect on our purpose in life. Why am I here? Why do I exist? Why did God save me? So that I would praise him unceasingly with my lips and hands and my whole strength. As long as I live and even to all eternity. We're delighted to have you, young people, with us this morning. And it gives us an opportunity to think about youth and the situation in our countries among the youth today. And probably many of you know that we live in a time when, even statistically, it becomes more and more clear that the young people who grew up in one Christian church or another are not committed to praising God as long as they live. They may have been baptized. They may have grown up in this church or that church. They may have been taught certain elements of the Christian faith. But as they come to years, they walk away from it. They leave whatever elements of Christian faith they once learned And more and more, there's this statistical category called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, because they have no religion. And they are even telling those who poll them, if they ask, I have no religion. May that not become any of you. May God graciously grant that you make it your lifelong commitment to live for the praise and the glory of the true and living God who has redeemed you through Christ his Son. May God forbid that you abandon this faith, that you walk away from Jesus. And may God grant you the resolve to say the very same thing as David in the text. I will bless thee while I live. Even if strange things happen to me, even if things happen in my church or denomination that trouble me, things that I don't understand, things that I can't explain. Even if things happen in my personal life that make me wonder if God is really there. if He's really there. How can He be there? How can He love me if He gives me such sufferings? Even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death say the loving kindness of my God is more than life to me and I will hold on to it and I will bless him as long as I live as an active member of the church of Jesus Christ on this earth and then after this life as an active member of the church of Jesus Christ in heaven and finally as an active member of the Church of Jesus Christ in the new heavens and the new earth in my resurrected body where I hope to live with God forever. Yes, I will bless him while I live. I will bless him forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, we give thanks to thee for the riches of the Psalms that still speak to us today and give us to our hearts the words to express the longings that thou hast placed deep within us. We thank thee, O God, for thy loving kindness and grant that we might make this evaluation of faith that it is to us better than all that this life has to offer. May that be a comfort to us. May it also motivate us to persevere and to continue in praising Thee. Forgive us, Father, when we have fallen terribly short. Give us Thy grace of forgiveness.